Good afternoon, collectors. Welcome to Layton's Loft, our weekly podcast about the hobby and sports and everything in between with my co-host, Lou, and it looks like J5 is showing his uh, amazing hair and stash today. What's yes. going on there, Layton? Is it, turn your head. Is there a chin strap starting here? What's going on? There's uh, There we go. A little okay. bit better. A little bit better. All right. Yeah, Look, I guess it seemed a little odd if it was like this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the beard looked like you had a little chin strap going, but it's just a little yeah. little yeah, no, I think it's all good now. But, yeah, yeah live from the real loft, uh, the fourth bedroom. Uh, I mean, cards are just everywhere here. It is out of control. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, it's a good thing to be surrounded by cards um, and not other stuff. What's up, Cody? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Ernie. Ernie, I had nothing to do with Wade Boggs. That was not my guest. Oh, Leighton. Leighton and J5, I guess. Well, special shout out to the Cobra. Uh, I actually just ordered a Dave Parker ball, and it motivated me, Lou. Um, I'm going to kind of let a little bit uh, of the cat out of the bag here. Um, in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing some social media posts and giving away, whether it be signed baseballs or other you know, items like that, related to the wonderful guests, athletes, celebs that we've uh, done breaks with. Yep. Um, you know, I thought that would be a really fun way to, you know, thank them publicly, you know, tag them. And then, of course, you know, someone, from, whether it be our community or for just someone out there in uh, IG land or Facebook land, we'll have a chance to win some cool stuff. Yeah, I've been seeing all the IG posts. It's been fun. You guys yeah, are I know. Ben, Dougie, the rest of the team, yeah. they're doing a great job. Yep. Matthew's still starting watch parties. Matthew, cut it out. Yeah, Matthew, the uh, the watch parties have come and gone. Um, but speaking of uh, Facebook and changes, so uh, I was running just a minute behind Luke. I was on the phone with my good buddy Scott from Gilded Social. Uh, All right, provides... we'll let, let's let uh, J5 go and do his work here. And oh, then... sure. Yeah, I'm going to kick you out. See you later. All right, there you go. Excellent. Um so, uh, anyway, I was talking to Scott uh, Freeberg from Gilded Social just a few minutes ago before we hopped on here, Lou, uh, on Layton's Loft, our weekly podcast. Uh, you can find us here every Wednesday at 4.30 Eastern Time. So, I said, hey, did you hear about the changes with Facebook? Uh, and he goes, wait, you heard? And I thought he was talking about the watch party. Right. So, Lou, not only did I, of course, learn about the watch party from you, but I found out some more disappointing news on Facebook. Uh -oh. That for advertisers, it's I don't want to get into it. It's too long of an explanation. I'm not even really sure I understand it. Yep. But effectively, Facebook is no longer able to give me the same stats that they've been giving me on the campaigns that I've been running. Oh, they uh, went away, yes. Some, something to do with 28 yep. days analytics versus seven. I, I don't, it was, we were trying to get a lot done in a short period. Um, so we'll reconnect, I'm sure. But yeah, just you know, you you never you always got to stay innovative. Uh, hey, Stephen, how are you? Afternoon. Um, you know, and, and really kudos to Gary V and, and those that are that are like him. Meaning, you know, they're they're not only entrepreneurs, you know, for themselves, but they're also trying to kind of, if you will, spread that business gospel. And um, you know, I remember when I turned a blind eye to Instagram, and this is way before Ben started, and and honestly, probably before Dougie was doing anything on Instagram for us. And um, I just thought that, uh, hey, what's up, Derek? How are you? Um, I just thought that I'm like, you know what, Lou? Not a lot of going on for cards on Instagram. And I, right. I watched, 
you know, something related to, to Gary's, you know, messaging saying, hey, like, why would you bet against the whole platform if all you have to do is just take your content, reshape it or reshift it and just kind of put it out there as well? And that got me thinking like, oh, well, maybe I should do that. And all of a sudden now Instagram is a, is a you know, a place for, you know, vintage breaks. I can't say we're necessarily driving a ton of sales per se, but brand awareness and brand awareness, you know puts you at the top of someone's mind and ultimately does lead to sales at some point, maybe. And I think with Instagram, I mean, the way I use Instagram, you know, as a consumer is I'm going through a ton of posts all the time. I will get through far more Instagram posts in a sitting than I will Facebook posts because Facebook posts take a little bit more involvement and it just takes more time. Instagram, I just scroll through them. So you put something like I've seen, I've got to figure I've seen all the vintage breaks posts because I'm just, you know, bombing through those posts. Yeah, no, and once again, kudos to Ben and Dougie and the rest of the team. Uh, I think they're doing a good job of making, and I, and I said this about Darren Ravel, and now I've heard people say this about Vintage Breaks, and believe me, we're very grateful for it, that on Instagram, at least, we've become, quote-unquote, a good follow. And a good follow, what's interesting, Lou, is doesn't always mean that you have, for example, the most money, the biggest hit, right? The... Right. Uh, uh, the funniest content. It just means exactly what I said. Maybe one day it's going to be about food. The next day it's going to be about a cool card and you're opening a pack on a bridge somewhere. Right. You know, it just seems that that, that, that's that, that right mix. I was just reading some stuff about TikTok. I know Ben's been, you know, talking to me a little bit about TikTok as well. I know Dougie was on there or is on there. So it's fun to learn about all the different platforms. Yeah, what you need to do is you need to get uh, J5 and S10 and uh, Dougie doing a shuffle dance on. Oh, oh listen, I have, I, have, I have grand plans, believe me. Hey, Stuart, how are you? I hope all is well with you and yours. Uh, what's up, Tyler? Sorry, it's hard for me to read. As I'm um, the only human who still doesn't have an Instagram account. I think I'm going to make one because I know there's a lot of card content, content on it. Yeah, just make one even if you don't want to post anything. Just go see what's out there. Yeah, that way you can enjoy the content. Um, yeah. So anyway, folks, uh, I wanted to cover a number of things today, starting with we're going to give away seven prizes. Uh, I think you folks do now understand there is uh, no longer an ability to start a watch party. We haven't exactly quite uh, figured out how we're going to deal with it and if we're going to you know, continue to, quote, unquote, give out seven prizes in the same fashion, right? The world's yep. a changing. But for at least today, today we are going to give away seven prizes, so let's be thankful of that. Um, and the first place prize today, Lou, is going to be a $50 break credit to vintagebreaks.com. If you spend that money, you'll not only, of course, get into the breaks, but if you do it before May, you have to look up the date uh, sometime in mid-May, uh, the end of our big event, which you can find all the details at event.vintagebreaks.com. You'll, of course, get that $50 break credit and spend on any breaks you want, and you'll be in a multitude of bonuses. Check out all the details there on our event page. What's on your shirt? Someone's asking what's on your shirt. Oh, it's, uh, it's Crosby's nurse was asking. Rick Barry. Oh, Rick Barry. There you go. It's the Rick Barry underhand shot. That's right. Another member uh, of the Vintage Breaks experience. That's Well, we're going to be buying something. He's part of uh, a conglomerate of a few athletes that have investment. In, uh, I forgot the name of their, their, their company. I don't want to misquote it. But that's, that's my point, Lou. We're going to be thanking these folks over the coming weeks by, uh, you know, not only, of course, making purchases and giving out some of their cool stuff, but tagging them on social media. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, so I got a bunch of other things I wanted to get through, but uh, let's go through these prizes first. Next up will be a 61 Tops baseball separate spot. Third place will be a 1982 um, Donruss wax pack. Sorry, I had to swipe up because someone was texting. 
And then the last four will be 1970 Tops baseball set break spots, seven prizes in all. The only way to get an entry is to participate during our show today and say hi. And please, out of the goodness of your heart, if you're having a good time, you think others will enjoy the content, please share our show yes, so that others will tune in and um, we will reach as many folks as we possibly can. Um, what's up, Orlando? We still giving out the Johnny Padres? Uh, we are. That was going to be, I thought, maybe in a separate, you know, yep. uh, maybe a special Brooklyn, either Brooklyn or baseball-related question. Uh, we'll have oh, you... no, I've got some Brooklyn questions. Oh, got... great. So, Lou, at the appropriate time today on the show, we will give away that 57 Tops Johnny Padres PSC 7. Uh, what's up, Lucas? Um, so I wanted to cover a couple things uh, before we uh, get into my, my agenda here. Um, I know this has been on people's minds about how do I value something? It sounds um, so simple, uh, but yet because of the amount of platforms that are out there to find um, values, uh, um, meaning you can find values in VCP, on Card Ladder, 130 Point, eBay, PSA's website at psacard.com, they have free auction data. So I was texting with Chris Coe earlier and we were talking about something and um, it's really not as easy as you'd like to think to value things, especially if they're not sold often. So if it's a 1958 Mantle and a PSA 4, it's probably sold fairly often, not going to be as difficult. Um, but if it's you know a little bit uh, more of a difficult back in a T206 and thinly traded, it's not as easy to find data. Um, and so we talk about some of those issues uh, in our latest, uh, our latest blog post uh, on our website at justcollect.com slash blog, um, you'll see that recent, there was like 260 or 270 uh, graded cards, uh, you know, collection that we bought. And we talked about it previously about some of the issues, um, you know, with data um, and how do you value something. And so, um, you know, that is one of the, if you will, barriers to being able to buy these graded cards, you know, I saw Rob, uh, the card father from Burbank Sports Cards, talk about it on Instagram yesterday, the day before. Uh, you know, shout out to them. You know, he runs an unbelievable operation. But he was talking about this, Lou. Now, Lou, we're not open to the public, although we literally get. I mean, J Five is now in the background. I'm sure he's either on the phone or or handling some emails. But we get dozens upon dozens of inquiries, combination, daily, on phone and email. And on the rare occasion, someone to drop by the office. So Rob uh, from Burbank was simply saying, hey, well, what do you do when people are doing that and they're coming by your office, i.e. your, your retail space, and yeah. you've got 11 people deep and they all have graded? And so part of the reason why, uh, Rob, and I'm answering you as well as the community, why we're not really open to the public is exactly as Rob stated. Yeah. I believe we would be so busy, especially with what's going on in the card world, we wouldn't be able to provide really great service. People would end up having to wait an hour, a couple hours, depending on how big the deals are. Right. So we just feel like if you can operate at arm's length and communicate with people via phone and email and, and, and you know spreadsheets and such and get as much of it done in person, excuse me, over the phone as you can before either shipping or you know meeting in person, uh, I think that's the way to go. Uh, Chris says, Sock will be the next issue for vintage, i.e. 70s and older for goats and Pele. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right. Not a big soccer guy. Well, I, I know. And, and to be fair, Lou, neither am I. But I want to give a shout out to Chris 
uh, Co. for taking the time to educate, you know, me about soccer. And um, it, it's coming from the standpoint of twofold. One, trying to offer fun breaks to the Vintage Breaks community, you know, where there's good value and possible good pulls. But then two, transparently, I wanted to get my hands dirty and I wanted to, I wanted to invest. I wanted to buy some soccer cards. But I wanted to show you, you gang, about a little bit of my methodology in regards to how serious I take deploying my money when it comes to whether it be for Just Collect. Vintage Breaks is a little bit different because it's generally wax, but Just Collect are on a personal level. And I'm sure Jason, you know, my buddy Jason from Otia Sports, you know, shout out to him, feels the same. You know, if you don't know something, nothing wrong with throwing a few bucks around, right, uh, to open up a box or, or, or get a cool card. However, what I've been doing, and Chris has been texting me like a ton of stuff to check out. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I have a bunch of items on my eBay watch list. Mm -hmm. I know now what they're selling for. I did bid on a few items, even though I've been outbid. So my point is now I'm in there. And you know how many soccer individual cards I've bought so far? Zero. <laughs> and I know exactly, I, I believe, I believe I should say, <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing in the card, in the card business. Uh, meaning I'm experienced. I have money I can afford to lose, I, I, meaning I can afford some risk. But yet, Lou, I take so seriously educating myself in the space yep. that I'm not going to just, you know, throw money around. What I'm doing is, and this is my suggestion, throw your time around. Yeah. Right? Chris has been kind enough to give me his. Now, let's be clear here, Chris. I've given you a few uh, minutes of my time. I'm saying it with a smile. Uh, of course, it's all in good fun. But in all seriousness, if you happen to have um, – I didn't know what Stuart just said because uh, I wanted to reach out to Stuart soon. Uh, he said also uh, plenty of ways to get educated. Yeah, Stuart. I don't know if you were into soccer. Um, Stuart, let's reconnect uh, offline because um, I think you were into soccer as well. I think Stuart's from uh, Australia. Um, but my point is, uh, Lou, instead of throwing my money around – I was willing to bid a little bit. Uh, granted, I bid like not in an aggressive way, so I didn't win. But now, where I was like two weeks ago, four weeks ago, I feel like I have a little bit of a pulse onto what's going on in the soccer market. And, you know, let's be honest, right? When you buy that card, soccer, basketball, a GOAT, like Chris likes to call it, a, even yeah. if it's a T206, part of what's acquiring the card of course, is the physical nature of it. You're holding something. Right. But let's be honest. Life, you know, you want to enjoy the transaction, the, the journey. So how did you come across it? If you just went and hit buy it now on the first soccer card that I saw, <laughs> how much am I really going to get out of that? Right. So it's been fun for me, a combination of learning on the wax. Well, part of it is figuring out the game, right, and anticipating and, and being good at that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I've already seen some moving on some stuff. Oh, and by the way, a little teaser here. I'm going to be opening this up. It's going to be tough to do live, but, you know, J5 got me this equipment. This is like my little soccer thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know exactly how we're going to give away what's in here. Um, maybe I'll open up only a pack or two. But, Chris Co., if you're watching, bud, you have the first pack coming out of this box today uh, as a little thank you for your soccer knowledge sharing with me can i ask you a question about valuing a card let's go to the other end cards where there are pop reports there are a lot of data it's 
probably not a great idea to get locked into that price, is it? Because a same card in the same grade, there still can be difference in value because the card there can be a little bit of variance on the, the eye appeal of the card, for example. Yes, more so in vintage than modern. Great point, Lou. Um, but but because you just brought this up, and I love this is what I really enjoy about Leighton's Loft. We can go on these you know different tangents. Uh, yep. Did you just mute yourself? Trying to get rid of Chris Gilmore. He was calling me. There you go. Uh, he was trying to uh, photobomb himself into the show. Um, <laughs> he didn't realize it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, you bring up a great point, Lou. Vintage is a little bit more so having to do with the eye appeal as opposed to, for example, a LeBron James, you know, tops rookie, right? right? Which a PSA 9 could be a little bit better centered than another card. Right, but at the end of the day, it's still a PSA nine of a LeBron James card they made in two thousand three. Yeah, um, but one of the things I would say, and um, this is really just about card etiquette, but whether it be it's on our Facebook group, it's whether you're dealing with someone individually. This is personally how I feel, uh, and if you agree, awesome, hop on in and let me know. And if you don't, please let me know as well. I'd love to hear you know the opposite side. But I'll tell you, I've had a bunch of people recently offer me some cards. It could be text. It could be email. I mean, really, it's like it comes in in, in, in a variety of different. Monty messaged me. Layton, someone messaged face, uh, uh, Facebook messages for vintage breaks, but I think it's vintage cards. You know, it should I, I label it as you. I mean, how do I find that exactly? Yep. Um, so um, anyway, uh, in regards to when you're selling cards to someone – if you know what the market is, then great. If you don't know what it is, please get familiar with what the market is yeah. before you list your card for sale. And I'll tell you why. Because when you list your card for sale, if you don't know what the market is, you could either sell it too cheap. My guess is most people don't do that. They right. round up and they yeah. list it for too much. And the problem is if you list cards that are too much, you're not going to sell cards that regularly, right? Um, you're also going to be known as someone who, hey, I'm not going to go to them, you know, necessarily to either buy or sell because I think they're a little bit unreasonable with their prices. Right. Um, but I've had this happen a few times recently where I wrote back to someone about a card or a couple cards they were selling. And I said, hey, the price you're asking for your card is like more than it just sold for. And so literally the response has been to me, oh, I guess I haven't checked the market. Yeah. And so I'm saying this in a very macro, not to attack anyone individually, because some people might be watching the show and I don't want anyone to think like, oh, well, Leighton hates me. No, this is like a public service message, right? This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to explain to you my, where I sit and, what, and how I do things. I'm really good at buying and selling cards. So when you put out there that you've not checked and done the work, Basically, you've now told me that in the future, I'm not really that interested in checking your things for sale because I don't believe that you're going to do the work. Right. Meaning part of what this is, as much as I do enjoy the buying and selling of the cards, there really is a lot of work behind it. Yep. So when you say to someone, Lou, hey, I haven't checked the market, so I've made a mistake. Sure, I can appreciate it. And not to say like you're trying to get one over on me. But really, to be honest, it comes across as lazy. Right. Because if you priced it and you knew the current market, you, of course, would have never done that. 
So what I'm saying is time is money, whether it be you're a full-time dealer, whether you're be you're a part-time collector, you're a hybrid investor, dealer, collector, or you're simply someone who candidly is just trying to, let's say, you know, buy a gift for someone. And, you know, for example, I have said, I'll have friends of mine from high school, they'll send me all over Facebook. Layton, can you get me a Derek Jeter ball? Absolutely. And I'll send them a link to like eBay or Steiner or whatever. And they, and they've taken it almost like, I don't want to help them. Right. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain to you, here's the deal. I actually am helping you because I don't have Jeter's phone number. Right. I don't stop Jeter baseballs. I'm a card guy. And I'm pointing you to you. I'm pointing you to like the best price that has like the, it's, it's certified and it's like the best condition. Right. So my point is, is like when you're going to tell someone, Hey, I'm giving you a deal on this card or this group of cards and you've not done your work. You're really just coming across as whether it be insincere, lazy, um, you know, any of those kinds of things. And that's not like an ideal trade partner. Right. Especially when, when you're getting into cards where there's some significant money involved. Because when there's some significant money involved, you're dealing with collectors. You need to be, you need to respect their knowledge and not, you know, waste their time with it. Listen, that's exactly it. So when you write back to someone and say, hey, you know, this car just sold at auction for two days ago or seven days ago. And they're like, oh, I didn't know where the market is. I'm like, oh, well, maybe you should think about that. Forget about before selling me the card because I don't actually care, Lou. I don't need any more cards. I have a lot. Yep. But what I'm trying to do is to share my knowledge. And I know, listen, I was outside playing baseball, you know, across teaching them how to pitch and, you know, pitch, how to throw and catch. And like, you know, sometimes when you learn, it's not that fun, like to admit that you're like, wow, I didn't realize that perspective or I was wrong, but I'm just trying to explain to you. And and I was going to tie it up with this. So, you know, if we start, for example, a graded card thread for sale, and this is going to be the next one. Uh, like on Facebook, whether it be it's like in your buddy's Facebook group, it's on VB. If you put cards out there that are listed at the same price or above where you can currently buy it at, all you're really doing is wasting people's time. Right. And you're not making yourself look good either. And in hey, the- what's up, Donald? And this community is small. It's still small. It's huge. It's a big business, of course. But again, when you're buying significant cards, you want to buy from people that you trust, that you have a relationship with, that you know are as serious as you are about it. Absolutely. Tyler um, asked a question here, and it's about the other end, about getting into us. He's getting into uh, 66 Batman cards. Okay. He says he's impatient and wants to buy now, but I know nothing about the market. So I'm trying to study and observe for a little while. So on oh, the buying end, but, but finding the market on the buying end is just as important, isn't it? Absolutely. And Tyler, you know, kudos to you. I love the 66 Batman. I don't know which set you're working on, meaning the red bat, the black bat, the photo um, set. And I forgot the fourth one, uh, the, 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 the Riddler back, the black, the, the black, but not the black bat. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, is that I already know what that set with the scoop is. If you're going to buy a graded whole other animal, tough to find examples, not a ton graded. If you want to buy that set raw in decent shape, you can have that set complete, you know, to your door by this time next week. (laughs) So that's something I can at least share with you on the Batman. But in terms of the graded prices, 
So Tyler, that's something that's really difficult when you're talking about something that doesn't have a lot of availability. Because even if you've seen the last PSA 9 and making it up from a 66 Batman set sold for 250 and someone wants 400 well, if there's no other examples available, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so, um, you know, it's, a, it's tough to figure out kind of what to do there. Um, but I do wish you luck uh, in, in collecting the Batman set. It's fantastic. All right. Jeremy is asking, what about one of ones? How do you check the market? Like he has a one of one definitive Nolan Ryan autograph. Sure. So um, my best advice, and uh, it's a really common question, by the way, uh, Jeremy, so thanks for asking, um, is to take a Nolan Ryan one of one definitive and see if there's been a Nolan Ryan one of one definitive that have sold from years past. And if oh. you can't find another Nolan Ryan one of one definitive, look for an equivalent. So, and I'm, by the way, I'm not comparing, but let's just say it's a Roger Clemens. Let's just say it's a Pedro Martinez, right? Let's just say it's a Jim Palmer. Whoever it is, it's a great starting pitcher that you're going to be looking up a one-of-one one in that product. Oh, I see. Okay, yep. That's my best advice there. Uh, Mike says it's difficult. You have trouble. It's difficult when you have trouble finding a comp, a comp when listing. That's where I struggle when selling stuff. And that's more on modern cards because there are so many variations now. So that comp is still a good advice in that situation, right? Oh, absolutely. Same thing, um, you know, like Mike just suggested. Just because you have, uh, you can't find a number to 49 Jean Morant, so-and-so purple prism green ector version. Well, maybe there was a numbered 49 Tyler Harrow that sold. And you got to figure it's going to be similar. Um, you know, once again, folks, and I think it's important to remember, if you are going to be someone who doesn't sleep well at night because you think you undersold your card, forget yeah. about looking for comps. Yep. Selling is going to become really tough for you on cards where they're numbered to 49 or they're numbered to 10. They're numbered one of one. Um, and so I think it's important to keep in mind as a collector that if you're a numbers person, for example, if you're an accountant, but you want to only collect numbered 10 of cards or rare, it may be tough for you as an accountant and understanding, you know, math and let's say like these basic principles to say, hey, I'm going to pay a premium because this card never comes up for sale. So I really, your personality has to do with yeah. the, what you collect as well, Lou. If you're going to sweat and feel you got beat over, you know, 5% on the price, then this is going to be a tough market for you, right? Listen, that's exactly it. And to be fair, some of my best buys, and this is, this is, I, I mean, this is really no other way to put it. Some of my best buys for myself or for just collect have been when I'm like, I just don't care. It's a great item. And I think I'm paying too much. And lo and behold, three months later, you're like, oh my God, I can sell it for double, you know, uh I'm sorry. Kevin asks, uh, he said, I know there are pay options out there, but he uses 130 point or PWCC research to get pricing for free. Do you have to pay for pricing or can you do an adequate amount of research on your own? You can do an adequate amount of research for free. Um, I would say that if you are someone who's doing this and you have tens of thousands of dollars, if not more at play, you might as well just know about all of them. Because as I was describing over the last several weeks and in our recent blog post about that 267 card collection I bought, that that person was using 130 point. They felt like it was, per, excuse me, VCP. And they didn't realize that VCP wasn't pulling down all the latest sales. And I'm like, yeah, listen, your 56 mantle is not, or whatever it was, isn't making sense. And he swore up and down, no, no, it, it is. And so that's my point is whether it be paid or not, you need to, you need to understand the different places you can find the data. 
All right. Benson says, my COD philosophy has always been to buy high and sell too late. I'm constantly great at it. I'm consistently great at it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's Melch for you. I love it. Um, so, folks, it's heading towards the uh, top of the hour here. Uh, thanks again for joining us on Layton's Loft, our weekly show sponsored by Vintage Breaks and Just Collect. Yes, sir. All right. Do we want to give away our Johnny Padres? Yes, let's give away the Johnny Padres. Great time to do that. Okay. Um, so we're going to do this as a trivia question. First yeah. answer wins it. Uh, uh, we're taking answers from several different sites over several different servers over several different locations. Uh, the order of the replies could be different from what you see on your screen. So what I see on my screen in front of me is going to be the arbiter. So that's the rules we're working under. And this is for, tell us about the Johnny Padres card. It's a 1957 Tops Johnny Padres PSA 7. To me, what's really cool about it is we bought it from you guys. I bought it from someone on the Vintage Breaks Buy Sell Trade Board. I'm going to do another post in the next day or so, posting a graded card for sale, encouraging others to do the same. I spent a bunch of money there, had some fun, and we're really just simply giving back with this. And someone's going to enjoy it. It's from the rare, it's from the tough series of 57 Tops. And although Johnny Padres was not a Hall of Famer, he was an incredible starting pitcher for the world champion, Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay, here's the trivia question. The trivia question is, uh, which player, uh, which player who played on the Brooklyn Dodgers, not the Dodgers in general, was the last player to retire? Who was the last active player in Major League Baseball who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers? Great question, Lou. Great I got, question. I got a couple. I came up with a few here. So, I like that. Which player retired last and if you get the year that would be great too but which player was the last active player to have played on a brooklyn dodgers team so lou while we're waiting for the answer i'm gonna i, I saw chris co there a minute ago um so chris we're gonna give you the first pack out of this soccer prison blaster that we're either gonna open up during the show today or over the next couple off shows um and folks as my uh computer station is uh back fully functioning here at the loft We've got a winner uh, we'll, here. Oh, who won? Who's Benson Mojo? Is that a Dave new to plum? Dave Melch. Dave Melch wins. Bob Aspermonte was the uh -huh. last player active in Major League Baseball, played for the Brooklyn Dodgers, retired in 1971, by the way. Woo. Yep. Stuck around for a while. Yep. Very cool. Well, congratulations, Melch. Uh, you win the Johnny Padres. It's a nice card. Um, so we're going to give away a free uh, – Soccer Prism Blaster Pack right now. Good luck, Chris. Um, but anyway, yeah, in the next few weeks, Lou, I'm going to have the uh, loft uh, hooked back up here so I can use uh, the computer not just for uh, Layton's Loft on Wednesdays, but also so I can break a couple times a week. Nice. I like it. Now, Lou, as we're opening up – well, actually, let's, let's cover this first. It's only four cards. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look together. I don't know if you can see. Look. I can see. It just doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> All right. Jordan Pickford. Seems like a nice guy. That's upside down. Oh, we got a silver. Tell me if this is good, Chris. Trezeguet? <laughs> yeah, pronunciations are always fun. I don't know what's harder, soccer or hockey. That's a little bit close. Pull that back a little bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There we go. Chris, it's a nice silver. Is that any good? <laughs> Chris says, <laughs> Chris with the analysis, yeah, he's good. <laughs> All right, great. I'm going to yeah, sleep him up good. for him. <laughs> Excellent. This is fun. I mean, they made, they made a nice set. 
Chris, you have to give us an NFL or a Major League Baseball comp on these players. He's as good as what guy? Yeah, that's true, Lou. That would help. <laughs> and then Riyad Marez. All right. <laughs> Chris says a ten on a uh, ten point scale of ten, ten being the best. Okay, so he's a he's a six. I'm not sure who Chris is referring to. Oh, uh, the silver I pulled. Yes, yeah, so he's not bad. I mean, I'm a one, right? I'm not going to make it any soccer, so maybe a zero. So, I mean, you know, the guy's pretty good. Todd is apparently a soccer guy, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, folks, this is just a reminder about our big event. I'm going to see if I could pull it up here without... Uh... <laughs> Check the screen up. Is it oh, on, sorry. Is on the site? Because I can try to get the site up. Yeah, I probably should have just asked you that, Lou. <laughs> uh, so, May 16th is the end of our big event. And then we're very excited. We're going to be attending our first show in over a year, May 21st through May 23rd. We're going to be going back to Chantilly, Virginia. Oh, Chantilly, Virginia. Nice. So we'll be setting up there. Uh, I know there's going to be, um, you know, you're going to be required to wear a mask. Um, we're also going to have an incredible crew come out and meet the gang. Chris Gilmore, uh, Dougie Fresh, and Ben, as well as yours truly. We'll also be signing a very limited number of baseballs. Which, if you show up early, you'll maybe just be lucky enough to get. All right. Can, can you uh, navigate me through the site here? I can get this up. Oh, sure. So go to a, uh, event.vintagebreaks.com. Well, event.vintagebreaks.com. Yep. I wanted to talk about the big event that is ending on May 16th. One second here. So, Lou, the audio is better like this. Uh, as yeah, opposed yeah. to the other way? Yes, the audio is better like this. That's great. Well, you cl you know, you're close. To it's set up, you know, phone mics. I just realized up. I didn't even have all the lights on. I could probably get better lighting, too. Great. So, uh, gang, this is our big event running right now. We have a platinum VIP, a regular VIP promotion, and our buy any spot promotion. Um, they're all concluding on Sunday, May 16th. Hey, when did Mick visit my house? It looks like my backyard. So how great of a job did J5 and Gilded Social do, do where we said, hey, it's kind of spring breaks right now. You know, Mantle does great in search. All of a sudden, this 56 Mantle I gave him, I said, did you guys like deface the 56 Mantle I gave you? Like, what happened to it? No, no, beauty of Photoshop. Yep. So um, I really, I think it looks great, Lou. What do you, what do you think? Great. Oh, I think it's great. I think it's got a great look. I love this. It has that vintage feel to it. And, and Yeah, but you're at the beach. Who doesn't want to, you know, who's not a good mood at the beach? That's right. And Mickey, Mick looks happy. Yeah. <laughs> so events.vintagebreaks.com. Uh, yeah, you can check out all the details there uh, about our big event coming up on May 16th. You can get in for as little as 3 bucks. meaning if you buy a spot for as little as $3, you'll be in our Buy Any Spot promotion that has approximately two dozen prizes. We're giving away well over... $10,000 in break credit and prizes, vintage cards, uh, so on and so forth. Check it out. Check it all out. All the details are at event.vintagebreaks.com. And we're up on the page live right now. Us. Excellent. No way. Say hi. Buy any bonus spot. Here's some of the examples. There's the mantle ball. Yeah, mantle ball. Yep. There's the Luca. There's the Griffey. $2,500 break credit. Mm -hmm. 62 top set. It's not bad. Yep. We're getting in lots of, lots of things to see over there at events at vintagebreaks.com. Yep. Thanks for uh, bringing it up there, Lou. Um, so I wanted to share something today uh, 
we haven't really talked about much, even though I do it a lot. Um, and so I bid an incredible amount in auctions. And so I wanted to share uh, just some of my simple strategies for bidding in auctions, Lou. Great. I like it. Because a lot of people are afraid to go into auctions because you feel you're in with the sharks at that point. Well, let's be clear here. If you've ever seen the movie Rounders, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't know who, you, who it is at the table, it's you. You're the weak link. Yeah. Um, but all kidding aside, um, you know, the first thing is you got to remember the auctions build their, their platforms the way they do for a reason. They want you to get excited to bid as much as possible. What is Chris saying? I missed, I couldn't see that. Uh, Chris says, thanks for the pack. Can you give it to the community? Share the soccer wealth. Absolutely. Will Chris, um, thanks for your, your uh, knowledge. I uh, appreciate it very much. So anyway, when it comes to the auctions, Lou, um, I absolutely have a strategy and I implore everyone else. Once again, whether it be you're a dealer, whether it be your collector, you could be hybrid, meaning you're both, or, you know, you're just someone who's looking for a gift. You're someone who's looking for a gift. The auction, you know, business is not for you because you're going to end up paying a lot, you know, more, uh, especially if you get emotionally attached to that, you know, gift you're looking to give. Um, so when it comes to auctions, Lou, uh, you know, I generally bid in a professional capacity for vintage breaks and just collect. And when I say that, it might sound like, oh, Leighton, like, don't you do this for a living, right? <laughs> sure. But my wife always asks, and Julie, I love you. Um, she's very supportive. And she'll say to me, no, honey, what I mean is like, she'll say, hey, how's the auction going? Did you bid? Are you, did you win anything? Are you winning anything cool? And, and I'll say, uh, you know, I'm winning some stuff for, for, you know, for JC or VB. Yep. And she's like, no, I mean, like, are you winning anything cool? I'm yep. like, oh, I appreciate you asking, honey. Thank you. And so I know this may sound funny, but you have to set your goal in mind. So, for example, like when I go through, and I purposely had it here, this is REA's last catalog. So, first of all, incredible auction house, Robert Edward Auctions. Yep. Um, Brian uh, Dwyer uh, runs it. Um, you know, he's a personal friend of mine, known him forever. And I mean, like, if you look at how much is, it, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah. Lou, if I didn't have a strategy, I'd have a big problem with forget about bidding and winning, just to actually get through the catalog. Right. Yep. So, what I do, for example, when I bid in, and I, I'm saying a big catalog auction. So, the smaller ones, it's a different strategy. Today, we're going to talk about big catalog auctions, Lou. You know, places like Golden and Heritage and REA. So, when I get their catalog, I actually don't go to the catalog first because as soon as I go to the catalog, it's like they've reeled me in, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's like they got me romanced. All I'm missing is the drink, maybe some apps, maybe <laughs> some good music in the background. That's right. And like, sir, can we get you anything else? Oh, play some more bids. The you know what I mean? The catalog, right? Exactly. So yeah. what I do is I use the search function of the catalog to look for whether it be Waxbox, Set, Ruth, Rookie, etc. So this way, I'm not on page 17 of, by the way, this is how many pages are in it. There was 752 pages in this. Wow. So imagine on page 18, by the way, this is unbelievable. It's that. a Roy fucking Campanella game used flannel jersey. And you My should point is, Lou, <laughs> you I would read this and every other narrative like it. Because I just enjoy it. My point is, is that if I did that, though, I would never get any real bidding done. 
why how are the three paragraphs under that Roy Camp analogy? <laughs> What's I'm the like, three? Roy literally amused. Yeah. You know how long that would take me to read that? I know, probably right? Probably like probably 10 minutes. I'm sure it's great. I get a phone call, I'd be in the middle of it, and Crosby would yell, or you know, who knows what would happen. So this is my point. All kidding aside, everybody, the auction places are really fun, just like going to a casino. And I'm not trying to compare them because I'm not. But the analogy is this. If you go to the casino, Lou, and you have five hunch budgeted for the weekend. Right. If three minutes in, you're with your buddies and they turn their back and you're at the high stakes blackjack table, you're not going to last very long, likely. Right. Don't get stuck on page 18 of the catalog <laughs> as much as the campy jersey's beautiful. Yep. Hopefully you can see my analogy there. Yes. Guys, if you're just reading it because you want to have the brandy in one hand and you want to have, you know, the, the burger or the steak or the pizza in the other hand, I get it. Then just be romanticized with it and enjoy. But if you're doing it as for a living, if you're doing it as an investor, if you're doing it even as a serious collector, when I say serious, meaning like to go through 752 pages would take you a long time. Just put in Campanella, and you'll find all the Campanella stuff. So the next point after that, because I could talk forever, as you know, um, Lou, when I get to the section of material I'm interested in, I immediately, and I know it sounds funny, but I'm literally telling you what I do. I go down, I right-click, and then I open anything I have a vague interest in. And because I have a huge, vast amount of knowledge. Now, almost about nothing important, yeah. but in cards, I know a lot. I understand. Um, I'll fire in my initial bid, Lou, because most of the way these auctions work are I cannot bid on the final day, that final period as the auction ends, unless I have at least one bid in the auction on that item. So right. the problem becomes, Lou, if you wait until the final day, you're going to be sweating on each and every item you're bidding on, are you bidding too high? Because the items will be a lot closer to what the actual value is versus early on in the process where you're just firing away bid one after another. Right. Without exaggeration, in REA's latest auction, I probably bid on 400 items. How many did I win? Probably 10%. I probably won 40 yeah. or 30, you know, something like that. Um, do you snipe or do you? Well, that's eBay. That's, that's yeah. different. So, you know, we'll talk about eBay in a minute. Yeah. Um, so that's just, I wanted, I wanted to give advice about the catalog auctions. So when we're kind of, because I, Lou, I think you're doing a great job. Like when you do the write up about the show and then you advertise it on Facebook and you pay that money to promote the show. I feel like this is a really good, yeah. you know, talking point to advertise because I don't feel like even a lot of people, Lou, even share it because they don't want to. Because there's actual value in what I'm talking about. Because if you have an edge in bidding in auctions, yes, you can make real money. Yeah, or you can at least be efficient with the money that you're using for whatever your goal is. Well, I was going to say, so I had to learn now, Lou, how to be efficient and make money. Because I can't get through the whole catalog. And I love to read it. Um, but I can't preview either at all or as much as I used to because of COVID. When I say preview, the, the, the um, act of going to the auction house, making a list of items I'd like to see in person. I used to do that all the time. Yep. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but somehow you survive and you move on. Yep. 
Oh, I'm about to hit chat. Can I see the chat? Oh, I can't see the chat. Okay. I don't know. I, I haven't done. I haven't been on the phone end of this yet. So. Okay. Yeah, I was just seeing if I could see the chat because I only see the chat like when when one little snippet comes up. So if anyone is, I, I can't say hi to everyone because I can't see anyone chatting. I have never. Um... I have never bought at an auction like that. I'm the type of guy who puts the REA catalog on the coffee table and builds an addition to the house instead <laughs> and enjoys it from there. But so you can't snipe at an auction house. You can't, there's not a lot of action at the, at the end of the bidding. There is a lot of action at the end of the bidding, but you can't snipe in the way that you can snipe on eBay using right. automated software program. Oh, I see. Yep. So the strategy to finish up with for the auction houses, Lou, is get as many of your initial bids in as possible early. And here's one little trick, and I don't, I don't, I don't share this even like with my dealer friends, but I'm sharing it now publicly because I believe in bringing value to our Vintage Breaks community, to our Just Collect community, and of course, most importantly here, our Layton's Loft community, the folks that tune in every Wednesday and hang out with us. So yep. here's the deal. I started to get a little bit more aggressive. This is like a little, this is like a, this is the juice right here. This is a nice secret. So you could tell I'm being hesitant but because I know this is good. So here's the deal. If you know, remember what I just talked about, Lou? You're going to bid that initial bid to get in on the item. Right. And you kind of set it and you forget it, right? You'll mm -hmm. come back to it later. The problem is if you forget it and come back to it later, all this activity is going to happen in between the 11 days that you just bid and when the auction ends. Sure. So – I've got even more efficient and better at what I do bidding in auctions. I now look at, now, now keep in mind, this is not for unique items. What I'm about to say is advice for the item where you know it's roughly going to sell in this range from yep. X to Y. And if it sells for more than that, you're definitely out. But right. you'll bet your bottom dollar 80 to 90% of the time it's going to sell in this range. So you know what I do? I don't worry about the auction. I hit my um, set ceiling bid. Uh, at what I think is like just underneath what I think like market is. Right. And then what happens is as people start to come in and bid, meaning other bidders, my bid is in there. And theoretically, Lou, I'm now going to cause less people to have the ability to bid on that item less than market because I right. put a ceiling bid in. And you know what? Like I, I'm not, listen, I'm not scientifically smart enough to tell you how much more I'm winning because of this, but I've seen it firsthand work for me, meaning a ceiling bid I put in early and people might say to me, well, Leighton, aren't you worried about getting run up? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, so I've seen a ceiling bid I put in early hold up and it's like just under the auction, you know, the un under, excuse me, under the uh, current like um, market price. And I picked items up from the auction houses and they'll be like, wow, Leighton, like good job bidding. How'd you win that? I'm like, yeah. I have a strategy. Like, I don't want to bore you. Yeah. You know, like it just, it just works. But here's the deal. This is really important. We only got a few minutes left. It really doesn't matter to me what auction house it is. You can say, well, I don't trust those folks. Or I don't feel comfortable bidding blindly with an absentee bid. Right. You absolutely may be right. I can't tell you how to sleep in your bed and what's going to help you sleep well at night. But I'll tell you for me. As much as I definitely don't want to be run up, and run up means being bid up by someone else who's just pushing up the price on you for no good reason, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it could be the consigner. It could be who knows who it could be. Sure. Yep. Um, but my point is, Lou, I've I've grown very comfortable with the notion of bidding in auctions that I'm willing to pay what I'm willing to pay. Right. If 
someone nefarious bids against me, if it's a reserve that I'm bidding against, it doesn't really matter to me. As long as I'm willing to pay that, honestly, I don't fret about it. I just pay that price. This is back to the personality issue of is you're going to fret about the difference between being run up and the, and, and the good price that you put in there. Then, you know, auctions might not be for you. That's going to cause you yes. to lose sleep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so that's, you know, my few seconds on... Uh, James says, uh, oh, says, very important to remember the buyer's premium when bidding. So I'll even go one further than that, Jim. Great point. Uh, shout out to Karma Records. Uh, Jim, I'm hoping that new album is going to be dropping. I'm waiting for my Facebook message. Um, so uh, great point about buyer's premium, but I'm going to go a step further. So let's just say we'll use a round number. When you bid in most auctions, the buyer's premium is about 20%, right? Yep. Let's just say we're going to bid on a $1,000 item. And you win the item at a thousand, so you know the buyer's premium is twenty points. You're going to pay a thousand plus twenty percent, which is two hundred bucks. It's twelve hundred bucks, right? Yep. I take it a step further. I've been doing it for years. I'm sure it's a reason why I haven't won a lot, even more items. But I win my fair share. When I bid in an auction, Lou, I automatically add on about another eleven percent, automatically, <laughs> because whether it be I sell the item on eBay. Whether it be I sell it, granted if I sell it privately, of course, I'm saving the eBay fees, but I'll probably have to get, pay PayPal fees, whatever the case is. My business costs money to run. Yeah. And if I sold it on eBay back in the day, it was going to be 10, 11 points. So rather than figure out later, I always would look at it as 1.31. So when I bid on a $1,000 item, I looked at this buyer's premium as 31%. People thought I was psycho. And still <laughs> one at a time, they were like, oh, it's a really effective way to buy. And I said, I'll tell you why. Because all the money is made on the buy. If yeah. you can afford to pay the 31%, then you're going to be smooth sailing afterwards. But what if you pay the 20% and you're like, you know, I don't want to think about the additional eBay fees and stuff then. Right. Then you're going to have to remember you just spent 5000 bucks, 12 points of that, 11 points of that, that's another 550 You got to remember that when you're talking about breaking up a lot, even as a collector, Lou, meaning if you want only a few cards – but you didn't think about that. Forget about the 20 points because I hear Jim loud and clear. I'm talking about you're going to get rid of the extra doubles on your own eBay account. You're going to consign to Probstein or PWCC, whatever the case is. There's going to be fees. Don't cheat yourself. you got to know the numbers. Yeah, too many people ignore the fees and, and just the cost of doing business. I mean, you're a businessman, so you're always aware of it. Uh, buyers and sellers, guys who aren't necessarily full-time investors, probably get chipped a lot with those fees. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, and I'm not going to name any names, but I got a buddy. He may be listening, and if he's not, I'm going to send him this video. He's, he does very well. As they say on Seinfeld, Poppy does very well for himself. Yeah. Um, so he's like, ah, lady, it doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm like, you know, listen, I get it. What you're saying is you're wealthy, and the, it really, the difference in the money doesn't matter. Right. Totally get it. But if you're going to be doing this time and time again, it's like what I try to say, this, you know, show the staff. If we can say, forget about dollars. If we save 15 minutes of productivity, in this case, bidding in an auction, every time I bid in an auction, do you know how many auctions I bid in, in a year? I mean, yeah. without exaggeration, 100, 50, 200. I mean, like, an like way more than I'd like to say. Right. So I want to be efficient. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it's the cost of doing business. All of this has to be factored in. So I hope uh, the gang enjoyed my uh, sharing of some of my tips on bidding and auctions. Loved it. It was great. 
Very cool. Well, I know we're approaching the end of the show. I'm not going to do the giveaway of the uh, um, uh, of the prizes from here, but I did want to give a special shout out to my friend Patrick Ganino, uh, mural artist to the stars. One of his uh, clients is Chevy Chase. And so how cool is this? This is a custom Chevy Chase mask that we're going to give away next week live on the loft. Nice. By the way, special Chevy inside as well. Can you see that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Yep. From, uh, from Caddyshack. Yeah. Yep. So this is pretty cool. A little gift from Patrick Ganino to the Vintage Breaks community. Very nice. And that's next week? We're going to give away next week on the loft. I'll send you an image of it, Lou, so we can put it up. Oh, yeah. Great. Great idea. Excellent. Fun today. Guys, it was a great show. Thanks for tuning in uh, tuning into Layton's Loft. You can find us each and every Wednesday at 430. Um, right now, Sam and J5 will take it back over and kick it from the 459, give away the show prizes today, and break till about 930, in which case then Sir Charles will take over and Vintage Breaks West. All right. Great show from the Loft. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.